All right, this is Story Comic Presents. Welcome to Story Comic Presents, episode 51. Uh, this is where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is, uh, I am your host, Barney Smith of storycomic.com. And with us is a nationally acclaimed entertainer, Rusty Gilligan. Rusty, thank you for coming. This is a great way to start the year right here, 2021, with a, with a Rusty, Rusty Gilligan interview. Where is that voice coming from? <laughs> Hey! <laughs> How you doing, Barney? Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice. To, yeah, I think we 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 met a couple times. I think at, at some cons. Oh uh, yeah, probably. But yeah. this is. But yeah. now in now in this new you know virus ridden quarantine world, it's so nice to meet you in person on video in personal. <laughs> <laughs> And so, so Rusty, before we get on the air, I mean, you, you, as you said, you label yourself as a, as, as, as an entertainer and, 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 and some of that is based off of the fact that you, uh, you do a lot of things. You do a lot of, you, you, you are, as we say, you're, you start off as a child actor, you've been a wrestler. Um, you've done a lot of art design stuff for, for film and you've been actors, you've been voiceover stuff. So needless to say, you've done a lot of things, um, reached out and we talked to you cause you actually have a, um, um, Matt, uh, you have a lot of uh, uh, comic book things that we wanted to talk about as well. But first, did you want to kind of introduce yourself to some of the people that might not be familiar with your, um, well, your extensive background, but did you want to kind of give people a little bit of background on how you got into doing um, art and inter in storytelling as well? Well, to address one thing that you said, either I've done a lot of work or I've been fired a whole lot of times. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't say that out loud. Uh, I, have bill I have bill collectors to support. Um, how did I get started? It was it, it's kind of funny thing. I was a a, a child actor. Uh, I lived in New York uh, with my mother and grandmother. And when I was a kid, uh, you used to be able to go to the. Oh wow! Now that you made the screen bigger, I can see how dirty my studio is. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, back, back then when I was a kid, you used to be able to go to the, the PSs, the public schools and take like summer classes. So I had taken, um, art classes, arts and crafts, blah, blah, blah. I got very interested in art. And then I started taking, uh, classes in acting, which, is uh you know kind of an unusual thing there was no actors in our family and um to advance the story along and make it less boring for everybody um i had been in the acting classes got discovered by somebody and they recommended me for uh, a part in a broadway play and that's how i started my my acting uh, career was I started in a Broadway play. Uh, the name of the play was Family Affair. It ran for months on Broadway. And then I traveled across the country. And when I had landed in California, when the, uh, uh, when the, the production company had moved on, I had stayed. So they obviously recast my part. And during the time that I had stayed, uh, I was doing other acting. Um, I did hundreds of commercials. I did movies and television. And I had a, 
an agent at the time, and uh, she recommended me for uh, an art job. And that's how I got to work on the film Heavy Metal back in the in the 80s. And from there, I just kept going. And between acting and voice work, um, all different things in front of the camera and behind the camera, uh, as well as doing artwork for comics and uh, advertising, which I was uh, extremely happy about because that uh, pretty much put me through college, was doing artwork and, and working in the advertising industry. But, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much like the Reader's Digest version of, of how I got started. <laughs> and you mentioned in a previous interview that you kind of got – you've always considered yourself kind of like when you when you're drawing, you were drawing. And you said it was – was it Jack Kirby or somebody gave you a inking? Who was that? Yeah. I was at a I was at a comic book show in California, the Los Angeles Comic Book and Science Fiction Convention, and uh, we were at I think we were at the Sunset Hyatt Hotel, and uh, Kirby was at an adjoining table, and he was obviously you know sketching and talking and doing his thing, signing, and I was uh, handing out pictures for one of the productions that I was a part of, and. Um, I showed him some of my pencils and I told him, uh, obviously I didn't have, you know, the, the, the vast talent that he did. He was a master, uh, in my opinion, truly a genius, but, um, I showed him some of my stuff and I, you know, I wasn't happy with it. He looked at it and he was very nice, but he gave me a lot of pointers. And then he said, have you ever tried inking? And I said, no, never have never. I never even got into it. So, he had some Bristol board there, ripped off a swatch of the Bristol board, and he gave me a crow quill, which is an inking tool. It basically looks like an old-fashioned fountain pen tip uh, on a on on a uh, you know on a stick. I guess that's the best way to put it. And um, I dipped it in the ink, and he was showing me how to you know turn it one way, turn it the other. Pressing down makes a fatter line, and on and on and on. And I fell in love with inking. Um, I, I have to say, I think inking is one of my favorite things. And uh, I've been inking now for, let's see, this is 2020, maybe about 40 years. And uh, I've done it for uh, comic books, trading cards, advertising, film, um, personal projects. Uh, I just adore inking. Um, to me, it's it's much more freer than penciling because I found penciling um, very limiting and I found it very hard to do. But then again, every artist is different. You know, there are some that are you know into sculpting and don't even look at penciling and 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 paperwork. So you know, it's it's that kind of a medium uh, when you do art. You know, it, it's it's either your favorite or or it's not. You know, and I only do traditional inking. I don't do anything digital. So. Mm. So that was going to be my next question. Do you do anything digitally or it's all uh, right on paper? I, you're not talking about like, you know, porn or anything, right? No. <laughs> no. Um, um, because, oh, um, no, the only thing that I really do digitally is I do some digital coloring, um, make up some logos digitally. But I feel like and I, I get a lot of 
I get just as much hate mail as I do love mail over this subject, and I usually stay away from it. So thanks a lot, Barty. <laughs> um, but um, I, I really dislike digital uh, uh, drawing, and um, I really, I, to me, digital inking is a, a nonsense term. Like I, I don't like it. I find that um, it has. You know, traditional inking has more of an organic feel to it, and I feel um, penciling, you know, actually traditional penciling is more organic and more expressive. Um, you know, I have obviously an, an, an eraser. This is this is my my whole digital computer right here. This is you know this is the mo this is the new or I should say that's one of the new models. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm not into the digital thing. I if I ever had a chance to digitally you know draw or or ink i i would probably turn it down as a matter of fact i just had somebody uh hire me for a job and they turn around and they said uh about digital inking and they were saying about well they said about inking and they asked me what i use to ink and i said well i use a variety of things i says i use uh i enjoy inking with pens uh i don't know why i have a, a hundreds of inking pens I also uh, ink in a traditional, uh, uh, from a traditional standpoint, I have a crow quill and, um, you know, I have different, you know, like rapidographs and on and on and on. And then um, I've used some very hokey things to, to get effects. Uh, everything from uh, ladies' nylons to swatches of a screen door, balled up tissues, whatever gets you the effect that you need. And uh, he's was I thought he was a great guy, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Well, I meant what computer program do you use, or what app do you use?" And I'm like, um, "For inking," and 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 you know I knew what he was saying, but I had to play it out. This is like you're fishing and you're toying with the fish on the line rather than pulling them in. <laughs> I finally said, "Okay, look, I don't digitally ink." I said, "You'll have to find somebody else then." Two weeks later, he comes back to me and he says he had three different people digitally ink. And when he blows it up, it looks like hexed, res, stick figure. Mm -hmm. uh, his opinion, he says, it looks like digital garbage. <laughs> so he gave me the piece and I told him, I says, let me ink it. I inked it. Took me a couple of days because it was a pretty big piece. And, um, and I'm a very slow inker. Like some people could ink like you know, pages in a day. I'm very slow. And um, I gave it back to him and uh, he was shocked, but I really do. I just do not like digital inking to me, uh, the penciling and the inking, it, it doesn't even make sense to say that you digitally pencil or digitally ink something. I'm not looking to make enemies and, and uh, because I've gone through that for, you know, for a couple of years, but that's just my opinion. Now there are probably people who can do both and that's great. And there are probably people who can do, you know, one really well. And um, on some of my projects, I've used people who, you know, digitally draw stuff because they are professionals at it, but, Overall, um, 
one example, I worked for this company and all he hires is digital pencilers or artists, whatever. And um, when I have to color these things or when I have to ink from them, it's disjointed lines, coloring over the lines. Oh, it's bumps everywhere where the pen touched. There's a little black dot somewhere on the page. Once you get, when, when you have to magnify something to color it, you notice everything, every blemish, every pockmark, every, everything. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Um, most of it, I don't like, I just mm -hmm. don't. I don't like working on it. And I've actually told this one publisher, I hate this stuff. I really wish you wouldn't give it to me, but you know, what pays the bills and what keeps people happy and what keeps jobs on the market, you know, but still I'm not a fan of it. And you mentioned earlier too, and also in the previous, uh, previous interview was that you can, like you said, you, you work slowly. What would you consider to, for some artists that are listening to this? What are some of the benefits of, 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 of working, of working more detailed and slowly like that? I think it really just depends on the person. Um, I, I, okay. If you're a penciler again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm anti-digital, which I am. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just not, I, I don't personally prescribe to it. I'm not good at it. There's a lot of it I've never tried. So whatever. Um, but if you're a really strong sketch artist, if you're a really strong detail artist, just like those videos you see on Instagram or YouTube where somebody has a blank page and they just start drawing and you watch the whole time lapse thing over a certain period of time, then yeah, your, your inks will probably be, uh, you know, would probably flow a little bit better because you're basically, uh, you know, you're doing an overdraw and you're giving commercial, uh, uh, fine, you know, fineness to the, the piece as an inker. So you're pretty much inking like a drawing, um, on top of, you know, the work and you're giving it your, you know, portions of your style. Um, like the way I use stippling in my inks, um, and I, I try to go for uh, more rounded corners. It's kind of like my style. That's the piece that I use, um, you know, in every art, uh, every art job and every piece that I do. But um, if you're a, a great artist on a, you know, on a, on a penciling level, you could be very fast with your inks. Hmm. Obviously, I always tell people, take your time. Like a normal job might say, you know, the deadline is January 1st. And I'm the kind of person that says the deadline is March 1st because I'd rather somebody take their time, mm. you know, work their schedule in a good way, uh, uh, work towards putting their best foot forward. Um, I just got a job recently where they were like, or I should say a job offer where they were like, well, I've got to have it, but it's got to be in two weeks. And I said, well, I probably wouldn't start it in two weeks because I already have other work. Right. You know, I mean, no offense to anybody, but what do you think? This is the job, the only job I've got. <laughs> I mean, I have a, I have a schedule on the wall here of about 19 things that I'm working on before the end of summer. Right. So. Yeah. So what would be, 
for some of the artists that are listening right now who are maybe in art school or doing this, uh, what would be some of the advice you would give them to how to get started into it, get started into getting 19 jobs? And all uh, it's hard to give advice. And I'll hmm. tell you the reason why, because what works for one person might not work for another. Um, when I first started, there was, you know, Marvel, DC, um, everybody wants to draw Spider-Man, everybody wants to draw Superman, everybody wants to, you know, get in those titles. So, and, and there was no internet, there was no phones, there was no overnight delivery, there was no fax, there was no nothing. So you're not even any copiers at the time. So when people, when I started, it was you had to get your artwork in front of people. You had to meet them at a con or you had to have an, uh, 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 like an inter, you know, like an, uh, in the office, in other words, you had to be. And there were a lot of people that went to the Marvel and DC offices and had meetings uh, or a friend pushed you, you know, by showing your work. He was established and he pushed your work, whatever. Today, it's a little different. So I always tell people, if you want to break in, don't do your own, do your own thing because I personally don't care for Marvel in DC anymore. I was a huge Marvel kid for a long time. Um, one of my first comic books was a Tales of Suspense. Got it right off the newsstand. Loved it. Um, years later, I was getting older. I started getting into Golden Age comics, so I got into a lot of the DC revival stuff. The Justice Society and, and uh, the JLA, JSA crossovers every year and whatever. And uh, my my film tastes were, were different. I'm a huge buff when it comes to Western movies. As a matter of fact, I watched three today while I was working, So uh, which I do every day pretty much. So, you know, my tastes were, were, were great for me. Then around 2000, I had it. I was like, you know what? I'm done with this crap. I can't take it anymore. Pinup covers, they don't relate to the inside of the book. The storylines and the plot lines are 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 they just they're letdowns. Mm. There's no Roy Thomas intricate uh uh, uh storylines. There's no strong uh uh Ditko covers, there's no strong Kirby covers, there's no uh you know the 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 Basemas and, and uh, Wally Wood. And, and so they're all, you know, they're all, none of them were doing anything. And I said to myself, you know what? It's not comics anymore. It's just not, mm. it's just filler. So I walked away from it. I haven't bought a new one except for sketch covers and the, you know, the occasional, you know, thing I see on eBay. I haven't bought a new comic since 2000. Mm. I just don't find them entertaining anymore. Now, I feel like, without getting political or anything, because I'm not that kind of person, but I feel like they're doing damage to the medium. The There's so much nonsense that's being included into the plot. I don't care about who Batman voted for. I don't care who Wonder Woman wants to have sex with. I don't care about any of their alliances. I don't care about any of their messages 
or their mediums. I don't care about any of their agendas. I just want to see the good guy punch the bad guy in the face. And I want to see plot. I want to see something interesting. Um, I'm tired of all the agenda. I'm tired of all the crap. So for me, I've, uh, you know, I did a lot of adult work when I was younger and now it just sickens me. I, I just feel like, you know, you know, there's, there's like Republicans and there's Democrats and then there's Marvel and then there's DC. It's almost like they're political parties pushing mm. their nonsense. So I just, I, I got sick of it and I stayed away. Um, just recently someone asked me what I was reading currently. And I said, um, I was reading old Western and old war comics from the sixties. No, no, no. What's the, what's the most recent thing that you've read? And I said, well, I read a Howard the duck the other day. It was Steve Wilber book. And it's like, no, no, no. What's the current comic that you're reading? And I said, Oh, I said, um, I guess, well, the closest thing I read was the funnies in the newspaper on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know how to tell people that, you know, what they have like this predetermined recipe for, for, for their, for their interviews. It's like, ask what he's reading, comment on what he's reading, blah, 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 blah. And when I don't give them the answer that they want, oh, that's like dropping flour all over the floor or uh, putting too much salt instead of sugar in the cookie recipe. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but I just don't care for modern comics. Right. The stuff I do is old, is old style. I like golden age, fooling around, slapstick, have a good time. That's why Archie has been such a great, comic book company yeah. i mean yeah. if you think about it look at archie's success lately um their their comics are wonderful it's literally like archie's been in high school all these years and then all of a sudden sabrina on netflix and you know and and riverdale and whatever it's almost like oh my god archie's going through puberty now it only took a hundred and something years but you know or whatever it was but it, it's it's like they have the key to it right now and i feel bad for everybody else because Marvel in DC just became costume shops now it's anybody that can wear the spider-man costume and they're spider-man right Anybody could wear a Wonder Woman costume, and they're Wonder Woman. And now DC's coming out with that whole new line about their future characters. And when you look at them, they're unrecognizable. Mm. I mean, to me at least anyway. I can go for alternate realities and future versions, but why do they have, you know, a character like in, I don't know what it is, 2300 or 2200 or something, but they've got like 1990s agenda. It's kind of like when you watch Star Trek. I, this pisses me off. <laughs> you watch Star Trek and they're so far into the future and they like got holodecks and they got these laser guns and these warp drives and on and on and on. And then they're listening to Mozart and they're watching like, you know, when they go to watch a movie, it's like some you know, 1930s black and white movie like Abbott and Costello or something. You're like, what did everybody just crap and die? And nobody did anything till then? It's like, make something up. I mean, you're making a movie. How hard would it be to make a movie in the movie or make up new music in the movie? But whatever. It's all, 
you know, it, it, everything from agenda to politics, it just completely turned me off. Right. So I don't know how the readers take it. I really don't. I mean, honestly, I don't even know how they take it. Right. So it's so unentertaining and it's so pandering. It just makes me want to, you know. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you, because as you, as you mentioned before, because you've been doing this for, you know, 40 years or so as when you were a child actor, then you, I mean, you worked on heavy metal um, yeah. and, and then you also said you're, you're, as you said, in the nineties, you, you had some publishing companies you're working on yet. You're a part of that you, you formed. And so talk about this evolution of what it means to be a creator, a con a creator as well as like now we're living in the Instagram era. Um, how have you, how have you seen, um, because people are hearing of, you're getting work still. How was that? How is that happening? With in, uh, I was told in times of no work, make your own, mm. and I think that's the I think that's the the most important. In times of no work, make your own. Um, how do I get work? Well, you have to start out in some fashion doing something for yourself. You have to take jobs. I get constantly yelled at for saying this. I tell people it's okay to work free or it's okay to take a job for like a buck, whatever it is, because if you don't have the experience, it's like a, a catch 22, you know, if you don't have the experience, you're not getting a job, but you're not going to get the job unless you have experience. If you don't know how to talk to an editor, deal with an editor. Uh, if you don't know, um, you know, if you don't know what uh, an editor or an art director is going to say to you or do for you in certain circumstances, you'll never know. Mm -hmm. um, I just recently took a job, and I do this myself, so I don't, you know. Again, I I I eat just as well as I serve it up. But I, I tell people um, there is money in free work. And I just recently took a job where the person said, I don't have very much. Uh, I, I have, um, you know, I think it was five pieces of art that I had to do. So they, I said to them, well, listen, I, I have a better idea. I said, do you have any copies of the book when it comes out? Yeah, I can make some available for me for you. I said, okay, fine make some copies available for me, and then I'll go ahead and I'll do the job. Well, the job would have made me like 50 bucks. I mean, it was a waste. Uh, anybody else would have said it's a waste of time. Maybe somebody inexperienced or a new person who at least was looking for honest work might turn around and say, well, I, I can't wait to do it. I'll get my name in a book and you <coughs> part of me or give me credit or whatever. That's great. So I did the five pieces. 50 bucks would have been like $10 a piece. That was a total waste of time. Mm. But I did it anyway, and I enjoyed it. Person gives me 10 books. I take one piece I, with a signed book, and I put them together, and it sold for, I think it was $125 to $150. Mm. You do that five times. Then I got five other ones. So I turn around and I sign each one of those and I do a remark or which is basically an extra drawing with your signature, either on the cover or on the interior. So I did them on the cover, sold them for about 25 each on the outset. 
I was supposed to make 50 bucks for five books mm. or, you know, for five pieces of artwork, I mean, but I made 10 sales. I got three other jobs because of it. And, you know, the old saying, uh, uh, pictures worth a thousand words. Well, on the internet, it, you know, a post could be a million shares, mm. a million pairs of eyes on your work. So I went ahead and I, like I said, I got all that. Plus I got three jobs and I had something to post every day. Cause if you look at my Facebook, I try to post artwork or something interesting every day because, um, when I first started working in comics, I learned from people who had already been doing work in the thirties, forties, fifties, and, uh, you know, everything from comics to pulps to advertising, their philosophies and their way of doing business, um, was totally different. They had a strong business acumen. It was totally different than what I saw. So they were very much interested in things like audience participation, specialty marketing, on and on and on. Today, you can't get away with any of that stuff because it's old-fashioned, wrong. All of those things are old, so old that people forgot about them, so that when you start using them again, it really captures people's attention. So a lot of the projects that I do, I have audience participation and um, audience interaction. I love to talk to people. Everything from running contests on my Facebook page, uh, answering people and, and sending them happy birthday messages with pictures from, you know, some of the characters that I've drawn and on and on and on, uh, special giveaways, things like that. Uh, every time I do a project, I list stuff. It's something that people don't understand anymore, and I, I kind of wish it would come back. It's called endearing yourself to your market. Um, the, I don't want to say fans because that makes it sound like they're fans of mine. They're fans of the industry. So when I say fans, don't think I'm, you know, my head's bigger than my, uh, you know, than my bandana here. But um, when these fans come up and they want to talk, they feel like they're linking to the industry. They can go to the store mm -hmm. and buy like that book, that book, that book, that book. But meeting the people who's behind the scenes and talking to them, that's a joy. So when I go to, when I, well, I haven't done them in a while because of what's going on, but when I do conventions, people come up to me and they ask me about work and they show me their portfolios and they ask me to, you know, draw like, you know, everything from Popeye to Superman or whatever. And, um, but I have conversations with them and it's not a rag. It's not a gimmick. It's not an annoyance on the opposite hand either. Um, I very much enjoy these people and that's, you know, that's one of the things that leads to having, you know, I, I have 5,000, you know, friends, I guess. I hate that term on Facebook. And then I have all these tons of followers and I have people who drop in and drop out. And I made all my posts public so that everybody could see it without having to join in because I feel like that's a trap and on and on and on. And um, I'll do a contest and I'll get like, you know, like five, 600 entries where, you know, where you might not get that on a, you know, a private Facebook page or whatever. But if you don't endear yourself to your fans and endear yourself to the market, um, I don't know how you're selling. 
You know, I, I really don't. I don't know how you're working. So in answer to why I have 19 jobs, it's because, or at least 19 things that I'm involved in, it's because I keep myself open. I try to uh, adhere to, I want to keep working. Like that philosophy is strong for me. I want to keep working. So Monday I'll wake up, I'll work on some cards, uh, maybe put some artwork together for a film that I'm on. Tuesday I'll finish up a job and maybe start another one undercurrent. I'll still be working on films. Uh, by the time Friday comes along, I'll mop up a job, uh, maybe accept another one over the weekend, finish another job, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's like a never-ending ladder that you're climbing, you know? Mm. But in times of no work, make your own because there are better comics in your head than there are you working on someone else's comic. Mm. That's, 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 how, that's how I feel. Yeah, that's actually some really good advice. So talk to us now about... Uh, no. no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Next time I wait to say no until the end. I'm apologizing for interrupting. Uh, Mac in Trouble. That's your anthropomorphic cat comic that you're working on. And, it's, it, and now you're making it into... There's two trailers coming out. I saw it on IMDb. There's... It's already already has an IMDb page. Yep. Yeah. Talk I work with that. I work with a produce a production company in the UK, and um, the producer uh, Michael Doss. He's a fantastic guy. The name of the network is called Bumbidos. Uh, they have work on. Uh, they have a Roku channel. They have uh, uh, entries on Amazon Prime as well as uh, uh, YouTube. And um, they're producing their own stuff as well as uh, their own projects, basically, as well as mine. Um, Mac and Trouble are two real-life cats that I, that I have. They're my pets. And um, when I was wrestling, I got injured really bad, and I was in bed for a couple of years. And uh, my wife brought home this cat. And uh, just a, a kitten. And I saw it was having problems walking. And I literally got out of bed and started helping this cat nurse it, give it a bottle, help it walk, on and on and on. And um, I really feel like this cat saved my life because I was in bed and I wasn't getting out of bed. And I still have the health problems that I had before because I had gotten hurt when I was wrestling. But, um, we, you know, like all pet owners do, you know, you make up funny voices and say, I wonder what he's thinking, and this is him talking to him, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I started creating a whole storyline, and it started out as a newspaper strip and then quickly jumped to uh, a comic book with the help of uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Dan Gorman, who works for uh, many sketch card companies and does tons of licensing work. And he also does, um, also does work for AC and a number of others. And up um, oh, there you are. I see you. You're just a little tiny guy right, right there. There you are. There you are. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> um, Mac and Trouble are two. The way the plot works is it starts out that there are two cats in a newspaper strip. 
and Mac falls through a uh, wormhole in his litter box and trouble joins him and they wind up at the nexus of realities because this isn't just Warner Brothers dropping anvils on heads and blah, 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 Bugs Bunny kissing Yosemite Sam or whatever. This is a sci-fi uh, uh, junket. So Mac and Trouble basically go to this nexus of realities. There he is. One of my favorite shots. He's drinking tea. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, and they meet historical figures and old superheroes and on and on and on. And uh, um, it's basically, you know, the tagline for it is sci-fi has two new heroes. God help us all, you know, that kind of thing. And it's sarcastic humor. There they are. There's the two cats. Max on the left and uh, Troubles on the right. And those two covers, um, the top left one is uh, Russ Leach, who uh, is in the UK. He works for Marvel. He's done work for Doctor Who. And on the right, that's uh, Dan Gorman, who I was mentioning before. And then that's not their pictures on the bottom. That's right. Mac in trouble. <laughs> Either that or I was going to say, wow, Russ and Dan need a shave, boy. Whoa. <laughs> but it's basically done in a golden age fashion. Stories are encapsulated. If you pick up issue 1, 3, 10, 20, you're not lost because they, they you know, they're, they're, they're self-contained stories. And um, they're meant to be, um, I don't want to say that they're for children. We do have a lot of children that read and have gotten them over the years, but they're family oriented. So like, it's like saying when you watch Star Wars, it's family oriented. A lot of children like it. And it's, it's so open that anyone from six to 60 will enjoy it. But, um, you know, but it, it's, uh, it's basically a very family-oriented uh, publication. And we've gone further because I tried to do something a little daring. Now people are doing it all the time, but I tried to do something a little daring. I went from taking cues from a few of the larger publishers. I went from doing panel-by-panel uh, panel panel comics to actually doing pulp stories. So we have another title called Amazing Tales, which is on a hiatus right now, but it's going to be coming back uh, later this year. And they're literally prose stories mm. with art thrown in. Um, we have some fantastic artists uh, that have done artwork. Aside from uh, Dan Gorman, we've also had uh, Laura Inglis and uh, Terry, Terry Pavlet, who's a fantasy artist. Uh, Laura's a, a brilliant artist that does work for sketch card companies as well. Um, and uh, it, it, the list just goes on and on and on. I, By trying to name more names, I'll forget other names. But we've had tons of artists that have worked on Mac and Trouble over the years. And the prose books sold out. Oh, Every wow. time I've had them, they've sold out. Because they're almost like storybooks. 
you know, there's like, you know, you got one comic book and inside there's three stories, eight to 10 pages each with little art pieces here and there. Every once in a while, there's a puzzle. Every once in a while, there's whatever. There's even taking a cue from some of the old uh, Westerns and war comics. There's the one minute mystery, you know, where it's like three paragraphs and, you know, what did trouble break or who did Mac, you know, piss off this time. And, uh, um, it works out really well. And something that I tell a lot of creators when they do this is s create one character mm. and push it like crazy because after a while, lose your ego, like check your ego at the door. I have no ego when it comes to this. I only look for a good project. So if I'm like, for example, I did the voice of Mac for the trailer coming up, I'm looking for a better actor. I don't have to do the voice. I don't, I would love to do the voice, but I feel like I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. I, I want the voice to be somebody else. There have been times when I've literally not done artwork for one of my own projects because I don't think that I'm as good as the person who's replacing me. You have to check your ego at the door. It's okay if someone else writes your book. It's okay to accept someone else's art or coloring because the bottom line is putting out a good book. People will always remember a good book before they remember you. And they'll never realize how much blood, sweat, and tears you put into it because in a comic book store in a dollar bin, well, it's just all junk comics. Hmm. They're just going to pick up a book and they're going to be like, oh, imagine that I picked up this beautiful book and Barney wrote this great script. He was up all night. I heard he was up for like three days and he couldn't sleep. Oh, this is one of his best pieces. Bravo, Barney. I can't wait to meet you in person and send you an email. No, they're going to pick up the book and they're going to be like, oh, the cover is great. Uh, story's okay. Wow, I love this one panel. Ah, uh, great joke. I think I'm going to turn this into a meme. Boom. There's right. your there's your ego. All right. <laughs> if you can't save every tissue that you use, and, and no matter how much you spend on the toilet paper. So in this case, you're screwed. So screw your ego. Walk in. Push the book. One day, the book will be synonymous with you. And then you'll be the person that people push because for years I was a nobody. And, and I feel like I really still am. I always tell people I'm the smallest amoeba in the biggest ocean, but, and I'm fine with that. Whatever I've gotten, I'm happy with because, you know, I don't, I don't have the fortitude to work on a book for 20 years in a row, like some of these others. Mm -hmm. But um, when you work on these things, you'll start getting pushed. I'll go to conventions and I'll sit at a table and they'll be like, Oh, you're the guest of honor. Oh, that's really nice. You know, or, or whatever. And I, I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't look for it. Um, the, they buy my book, they buy books from other people that I've, I've done and they bring it to me to sign and I'll just sign it. I've signed so many DVDs in 2019. It wasn't even funny. Maybe, 60 or 70 over the course of the year, mm. everything from the heavy metal to Spider-Man Captain America on and on and on. And then all my comics and everything. And then uh, I, I just, it was great. 
2000, you know, 2020 was a total bust out. Yeah. You know, you, so what's your, what's your uh, impressions of what conventions are going to look like in the, in the future now? <clears throat> um, do, do you allow foreign um, enough, uh, what you call it, foul language on your podcast? No. Uh, <laughs> the, um, okay. Masks, distancing, less hugging, you know, elbow bumping, which is like, you know, wearing a full body condom. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, yeah. I think, I think, um, I think people are scared and they're con they're conscious of themselves being scared. And I think they recognize the fear in others more than they recognize the fear in themselves. You'll go to a show, you'll be apprehensive. You'll do something, you know, I think a lot more electronic trans, uh, you know, uh, uh, transactions. Mm -hmm. I think people are afraid of like paper money and coins and stuff, but who knows, you know, but I think more electronic transactions, I think a combination of the media and the companies who do the banking, like PayPal and Square, and someone who I've never liked, Diamond Distributors and, and a bunch of the distributors, uh, and in some cases, the promoters, because I could give you a list of promoters that I wouldn't spit on if they were on fire. Mm. But <clears throat> I think that they're taking advantage of it. They're taking advantage of these people. They're pushing them stronger and harder than they need to be. And I think that the market is, um, this is a, a prime example of a farm having the best crop. And just over the horizon, there's a swarm of locusts mm. heading towards it. So I, I don't know what to say. I will say that, in a digital market, people are selling PDFs. They're selling, you know, digital stuff. Um, again, not knocking it. I'm just not a digital person. Um, we sell digital copies of our book, but I think that's more to satisfy the end user rather than to glorify our sales. Mm -hmm. But uh, and it behooves me to say that a lot of the Mac and Trouble stuff and a few of our Recollection magazine, which is our Golden Age book, um, they're up on uh, Indie Planet and uh, DriveThroughComics.com uh, free. I decided to kill the costs on them um, when the virus started getting heavier so that people had more to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so we put them up there for free so people can have them. We were making a great amount, but it just, after a while... You know, you have to realize the, the bottom line. Those people buying stuff put us in one area and they make us, you know, they give us a career and they make us further ourselves. Um, it's only right to give back. So that's what I do. Same thing with all my campaigns. Whenever I do trading card or comic book campaigns, I always have free stuff in the campaign. And I'm always, you know, free links to movies and, you know, helping people with their projects and commissions and on and on and on. And uh, I think that's important. You know, what would you tell your younger self knowing that what's going on now? And I think that's important. It is. Right. 
And you do, and you do a lot of, and I know you mentioned in a previous interview too, you do a lot to help raise awareness and, and, and funds for uh, the, like different animal shelters and things like that as well. When I'm at conventions, I always post this one, I, I don't want to say it's a meme, but it really is. It's an image and it's got a picture of Mac in trouble and it's got cat food cans next to them. And I always tell people, if you bring me a donation, I'll give you a print that I have under the table that isn't one for sale. So sometimes I have like this back in trouble fighting and sometimes I have like them being chased by a mountain of pork rinds. And um, I have this other one where the two of them are like extending a can of cat food to this, this actual cat versus an anthropomorphic one. Or I have this one, you remember the Marvel in DC, they did those who's who where they had like the picture and then all the text. I have a comedy one of Mac in trouble. I don't sell them. They're just under the table. And what I do is, is I go out and I make like 15, 20 copies of it. And I just keep them in rotation. I also have a Dr. Who puzzle and I have coloring pages for the kids and whatever. People have brought me anything from a single can of cat food all the way up to this giant case of cat food. I've had people bring me uh, uh, cat trees. I've had people bring me uh, a toy. We got this one that looked like a, uh, in New York, it looks like a, uh, like a flying saucer and you put the cat cookies in it and then it spins and it'll drop one. Mm -hmm. So the cat has to keep messing around with the, with the, the saucer. Um, for a while, I used to tell people if you, because one of my favorite things I say, if you bring me a bag of pork rinds, I'll do something. So for like three years running, I had pork rinds coming out of my nose <laughs> all over the place. Do the cat one now. And it was like, you know, and I've gotten dog food and I've gotten fish flakes and, you know, and I, so, and I used to have this thing. I don't really, you know, cause we haven't done shows. Um, and I'm susceptible, you know, I'm in my, my fifties and, um, I have a, you know, a pre-existing condition and, um, on and on and on. And because I work at home, um, this is going to sound funny, but I actually haven't left my front door since February mm -hmm. of last year. Um, I'm very susceptible and I, I don't want there to be a problem because I keep telling, I tell my wife all the time, Oh my God, if I wake up with one more goddamn thing bothering me, I'm going to jump. Um, so I just don't want any problems. But when we went, I used to have this sheet that I would hand out and it would be like, don't, when you go to animal shelters, don't give them money. Don't give them $5 over the counter. My story was I gave this lady, uh, I don't know what it was, 20 bucks or 30 bucks over the counter when we got a cat. And she go, turned to the other girl behind her and she goes, oh, now we can do the employee pizza party. Wow, that's great. And I'm like, uh, you know, screw you. <laughs> uh, but the best thing to do is to give them donations because if anything you give them money for, they should have been buying these things anyway. Mm -hmm. So give them stacks of newspapers, give them old clothes, uh, especially soft things, blankets, uh, paper towels is a great one. Cleaner is a great one. Don't go buy fancy food because you don't know where these animals are going to end up. 
if they wind up going to a house that gives them fancy food may cause problems uh, or gives them crap. You have no idea. So I always tell people, give them all kinds of stuff. If they refuse to take it, animal shelters will say they're going to refuse to take it. Oh, we don't uh, solicit your donations. We don't need this. We don't need that. You know what? Box it up or put it in a plastic bag, drive there at one in the morning, leave it at their front door and make them take it because people don't realize they also have to account for everything. They have to make receipts. They have to tell the state what they're doing. Screw all that. You know, this is not squirrels in the park. You're throwing, you know, your, your hot dog, leftover hot dog bun to, you know, <clears throat> these are dogs and cats and people are, you know, looking at them every day. Now they're posting them online. So through my comics and through my, my cards and through my endeavors, I probably give maybe 30% right. to animals and I really enjoy it. And I've also, not to sound neglectful, um, I have also done uh, artwork for um, other charities, uh, St. Jude's uh, Hospital, St. Baldrick's, uh, American Heart Association, um, one that a friend of mine runs called Comic Book Covers for Cancer. Uh, everybody should be looking them up on Facebook or looking them up on uh, eBay because they do beautiful uh, auctions for donated covers, sketch covers by artists from all over the industry and all over the world. And um, and I've done uh, I, I've done artwork for the George Lopez Foundation. Uh, Coca-Cola foundations, NFL. So I very much enjoy um, uh, doing charity work. Um, everybody has a story. Mine in one sentence is I grew up really poor and I vowed that I would never let my kids feel that way. Now my kids are all grown up. I have four boys. Uh, my youngest is in university. So I really feel like through some of my endeavors, maybe other people won't either. Right. I know that that sounds lofty and it sounds like I should be knighted and all this other BS, but you know, sometimes those emotions come through and that's how you feel. So when I do my work, I think about that and uh, we're in a digital age. So I'll do the artwork and I'll scan it and I'll send them the image that they're going to use. What happens to the original? Well, I put the original up or I donate it or I use it in some way mm -hmm. and then part of my money I use. So, you know, it's hard to adhere to something like that. But after so many years, you start to feel like you're working for other people as well. And I think that's where checking your ego at the door is very important. Right. So, so we're, 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 at, we're at our hour mark, uh, Rusty. So tell people, where can they find you? Where they can find more of your work? I'm right here. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Is that, is that, that's might be too basic. Wait, hold on a minute. I'm also here and I'm over here as well. And I'm here. I'm big enough to be in all three places. All right. Um, people can, I, I, I use my real name on uh, Facebook. You can find me there. I post a lot of my stuff. I used to have a site and I just let them go. I don't have time. A lot of people do, and I think it's great, but I'm not, I, I can't be a slave to the design. I just don't have the time. Um, when you're on when you're on Facebook, people click links and go off to your site. But I find that I with the way I operate, 
I do just as good as on Facebook. So when you go to my Facebook, I have tons of galleries of all my artwork going all the way back 20, 30 years, all convention photos, thousands of them, trading cards. I offer free promo cards on my Facebook. All someone has to do is send me the postage. They can have as many as they want um, and signed as well. We've done hundreds of cards over the years, so they're all there free. Mm. So people can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a Twitter. I have an Instagram. Both of them are Mac and Trouble as the name. And uh, I just post, you know, whatever. Um, but Facebook is my main. And uh, you can always find me on there. Um, I, po I post everything public so people don't have to be friends. They can just dip in and dip out. They can take part in all the contests. Um, today's Thursday, so this coming Monday, I'm going to be uh, – was it Sunday or Monday? I think it's Monday. I'm going to be doing another contest because <clears throat> I did one uh, two weeks ago. Hmm. I gave away uh, three original sketch cards, so the original art cards. And then I signed three promos randomly and just threw them in three envelopes. And whoever, whatever three people, I just signed them and filled them out and sent them out. Oh, wow. as, a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, just today I did. So, but I enjoy that because, you know, again, these people pretty much pay me to work. These people, you know, these are the, these are my bosses. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad to give people stuff. Right. So well, that's great. And thanks a lot, Rusty. I sure do appreciate it. And also, just so you know, Rusty. Uh, because because of all the because of all the all the interviews I've been listening lately, uh -huh. I also came prepared to interview Rusty. I have a straw with me. <laughs> I remember one of them. You said that you always drink out of a straw. You drink tea out of a straw. So I got my, I got my tea ready and I got my straw. So you know why I do? You know why I do that? I don't have to pick up the. I don't have to pick up the cup. Yeah. <laughs> I use these like really big, wide mugs. Uh huh. And just to give you an idea about how big it is. There's the straw, and oh, I gotta remember this is backward. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I go. Yeah. And what I do is, is I just don't even have to pick it up. It's just like slide it over, use the straw, put it back. So in all, now, watch. I'll do the, the first thing I do. I'll spill it all over the damn place. But <laughs> I usually, I have not had a spill in I don't know how long. And whenever I drink stuff, it's always stuff with caps. Right. So.